Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, let's pray. Lord, we want to echo the same words that Samuel did so many generations ago right now. We just want to say, speak, for your servant is listening. Would you do that over these next few moments? We, your servants, are listening for what you have for us, for what you want to reveal to us, for what you want to say to us today. Maybe there are those who haven't said yes to you yet, Lord. Would you reveal yourself to them, Lord? Would you just fill them with your loving presence right now? May they sense that you're real, God, and and, and may today be a day where they say yes to following you and committing to you, Lord, and begin serving you so they can experience all that you have for them in this life and all the plans that you have for their future. Lord, I pray that for those people and for all of us, Lord, speak for your servant is listening. Amen. Amen. Why don't you go have a seat? Martin Luther King Jr., he once said this. He said, The end of life is not to be happy, nor to achieve pleasure and avoid pain, but to do the will of God, come what may. I think oftentimes we think that the goal of life is just to be happy. And that obviously is the will of God. He just wants me to be happy. And I think there's some truth to that. God does want us to be happy. He wants us to be full of joy. I think that is part of his will for our life, but uh, there's some things that he's going to do in us as he works to us and, and, and or in us and through us. There's sometimes there's going to be those things that don't make us feel so happy, but they're good. 
You know what I'm talking about? It's like they hurt so good. You ever experienced that before? It hurts so good. It's like when you're disciplining your child, and you're like, oh, you know, this is, this is good for you. I know it hurts, but this is good for you. It's going to hurt good, you know? And so sometimes that happens too. And so God's not as concerned about our happiness as he is about you and I being transformed into his likeness, becoming more like him, and, and really experiencing his will in that. But I love what MLK Jr. is saying right here. What's the goal of life? It's not just to live a happy life. It's not all about the pursuit of happiness. It's not to achieve pleasure and avoid pain, which we love to do that, don't we, man? We're just all about like pleasure, 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 fun, 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 pain, bad, pain, bad, ungodly. If it's painful, it must be ungodly, right? That cannot come from God. But what I've seen is that God actually uses pain. In fact, so often God will meet us, speak to us in pain. It's amazing how God does that. So we love to, though, try to avoid pain, you know, right? And so, uh, and go after pleasure. But the goal is this, that you and I would do the will of God. That's the goal. That's the aim. That's the priority of our life, to be in the center of God's will. Here's a question for you to ponder right now. Is it possible to be successful in life outside of God's will? You ever thought of that? Is it possible for you to live a successful life outside of God's will? Now, the truth is, you and I can do lots of good things. We can make lots of money. We could be successful in the world's eyes, but not in God's will. True success, according to God's eyes, is in the center of God's will. And I want you to live a successful life according to God, not according to man, not according to this world. You know, God will bless you, take care of you. He'll do all of that. He'll provide. Okay, he's got all that for you. But I want you to be in the center of God's will for your life. And I hope that's your prayer as well. I hope that's your desire. So we've been talking about the will of God in this series, God's plan. And so I'll talk about God's plan, God's will, God's calling. All of those are kind of the same because we can use those terms, those phrases interchangeably. So that's, they all mean the same thing, right? So last week, we spent a lot of time talking about the primary will of God. Remember, there's two, two aspects to God's will. There's the primary will of God and the secondary will of God. If you missed last week, I highly recommend you go back to last week's message, listen to it, or watch it. It is foundational for you and I to understand how to truly live in God's will. In fact, it's so foundational, we're going to take a few moments and just make sure we get it today, too. All right? So, but there's two aspects to God's will. The primary will of God and the secondary will of God. The primary will, as we talked about last week, is to know him and make him known. That is God's will for your life. That's God's will for everybody life, everybody's life. To know him and to make him known. So what that means is this has to be the priority of our life. Like this has got to be the number one all-consuming passion. This is why Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So go after me first above everything else. So it's important that you and I understand that this primary calling supersedes your secondary calling. Because no matter what you do for a vocation, for a career, no matter how you make money, your calling in life is still to know him and make him known. That is always going to be your calling, no matter how you pay the bills and how you make money. You are called to know him and to make him known. Everybody has that calling. That's why we call this the primary calling of God. It's not reserved for the special Christians, the super Christians. It's not reserved for those who are called to ministry. 
Truth is, we're all called to ministry. Let me just get that straight, okay? All of you are called to ministry. You're a minister. 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 We all call the ministry. Say, I'm a minister. Okay, that's true. You spoke truth right there. We are all called to ministries. I think maybe in, in days past, we've done a disservice to the call of God on our life as we've elevated this call to ministry. Like, oh, God's called you to be a pastor or missionary? Oh, you must be super special. God must really love you. And inside, I'm thinking, and not really love me. But then I'm, some of us are thinking, God, I don't want to be a missionary, so that's great. God, don't call me to be a missionary. So we, we, find, we, we go there too, right? You are all called to ministry. There's no like better calling, bigger calling. We all have a great calling. And that is that primary calling to know God and make him known. That is a calling to ministry. You and I get to minister to God. Isn't that amazing? We minister to him in our relationship with him. That is our primary calling as we get to know him and cultivate that relationship. There's a ministry we do to God and a ministry we do to people. But it's a calling to ministry. So no matter what career you have, you can live out the calling of this primary will of God. Is that understandable there? Because I think it's important we, under, we all understand that. There's no special, super, better calling uh, that people have. We're all called. That's good news, friends. So as you and I grow in this primary calling, and just growing in our relationship with God and growing in our faith and then sharing our faith with other people, out of that, I think we can enjoy that secondary calling better. Whatever it is, I think that we'll find even more joy in that secondary calling. And so let's talk about God's secondary will. By the way, I didn't mention this, but I wanted to mention go groups. This is how we're living out our primary calling right now, to know him and make him known. Go groups. If you haven't started one, let me just say again, start one, get in a group, ask somebody, pray about who to ask. If someone asks you, say yes. If you need help starting one, let us know. If you're online and you need help, Knowing what this is, let us know. We'll send you information. But we've got brochures here about Go Groups. This is a simple, easy, and relational way that you can meet with somebody, grow in your relationship with God, and help other people grow in their relationship with God, because this is our calling, remember? Like, if I were to break down that primary will of God, know him and make him known, a little bit further, I would say this. It's, it's to know him and to grow in him and to make him known. I have this assumption that growth is a part of knowing him, but I don't want to just assume. Maybe it's good to clear that up. Like there, growth is assumed, but let's clarify that growth is a calling we all have. So know him, grow in him, and make him known again. Like I said earlier, God wants to transform you into the image of his likeness. He wants you to grow, to become more and more and more like not the people next to you, but him. That's his goal that you and I would grow in our relationship with him and become more like him. And so Go Groups is a way to do this, guys. I just I want to encourage us to get in those. If you're in one, let us know how it's going. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know. I'm meeting with so-and-so. It's going great. And if you need help, again, let us know. So let's talk about the secondary will of God. Because, again, this is the one we're, we usually find ourselves concerned with, right? Okay, that's great. No, I know, I know. God's God first. That's right, God first. But get, get to the real stuff, Tyron. I just want to know, like, how does God help me make decisions in life? I got to know what, what job to take. I got to know who to date, that kind of stuff. And that's, and so, again, we talked about this last week, but we can put seeking the will of God above relationship with him. And we don't want to do that because then it becomes an idol. And we want to put God first. And then everything flows out of that relationship. So here's how we define secondary will. The secondary will is your specific calling based upon your gifts, your passions, your values, and your experiences. 
I love how all of those combine to give you your unique, specific calling in life. You have gifts. God has gifted you. Therefore, however God uses you, whatever that unique, specific calling is, you're going to enjoy it because you get to use your gifts, those things you're good at. That's good news. So you'll have fun in living this out as you use your gifts. You have passions. You have things that you love. God wants to use those things as a part of your unique, specific calling in life. You have values. You have things that are really important to you. They're like a big deal. And they're such a big deal to you, you think everyone should think they're a big deal. But if people have other values, and so you got to let them be them, and then you, gotta, you can just go after your value. Whatever's important to you, God will use those as a part of that. And then it's really cool that God uses our experiences in life. The family you were raised in, God can use that to minister to other people that have experienced similar things. God can use tragedy. I've seen God use tragedy time and time again as people have experienced that in, in their life, and then they're able to use that to serve and help other people encourage other people, minister to other people. God uses our life experiences. All of those kind of combine for you to discover what our specific calling is. And so we're gonna talk about that in the coming weeks. How do I discern what that is, how that looks? But it's just good to know, definition, those, that, that's really what it is. It's your specific calling based upon your gifts, your passions, your values, and your experiences. So now knowing what your primary will, God's primary will is and God's secondary will is, are you living in God's will for your life? Or do you know? Because again, it's important that we're living at the center of God's will, right? I think there's something deep inside of all of us that longs for this. Like, I want to know exactly what God has for me, what he wants me to do. For most of us, there's this deep burning desire to make sure we get it right. And just know this, you're not always gonna get it right. And that's okay, because God's grace is in this. We're going to veer off track. Things are going to happen. Life's going to happen. And we just got to be in this place where we allow God to kind of put us back on track. Okay, so you're not always going to get it right. To live in the center of God's will does not mean you're going to be perfect. And thankfully, God's grace is there for that. And sometimes we find this very confusing. Like, I don't know. Like, this is confusing, Tyrone. As you talk about this, I get all stressed and nervous because I just like, I just don't, I don't know what to do, you know, and that's. Just, I encourage you to relax again like I uh, encouraged us last week. Just lean into that relationship with God, knowing him, knowing him, relax in him, make him known. And then I think over the coming weeks, God's gonna bring clarity to you as we look at how God leads and guides us through this stuff. Some of us can really feel overwhelmed in life, like, okay, Tyron, this is great and all, God's call, God's will for my life. I'm just struggling to make ends meet. I got rent due next week. I just need a job that pays the bills. Like, that's my primary concern right now. That's the thing that I just got to take care of, you know? And so you talk about God's will, you guys are like, okay, I just, I just need to make sure that I can eat food. And we can all find ourselves in that place, right? That cycle of like, I'm just trying to live and trying to make ends meet. And I want to encourage you don't get caught in that cycle and stuck in that cycle and miss out on what God has for you. I'd hate for you to miss out on God's best for you. Have you heard that phrase, good is the enemy of the best? You heard that before? I love this phrase, good is the enemy of the best. And I think sometimes we find ourselves just settling for good when God has something better for us. I want you to experience God's best for your life. That's my hope. That's my prayer. That's why as we go through the series here, I hope that you realize the best that God has for you. Don't settle for good. Good news is God's grace is in the good, 
But I want you to know that his favor is in his best. God's grace is in the good and the bad and the ugly. Okay, all of that. Okay, thankfully, again, we're thankful for God's grace, right? And he leads us back on the right path. But his favor is in his best. I want you to experience God's best for your life. Don't you want that? Okay, so it's important for us to just come to God and say, okay, God, speak to me. Lead me. Your servant is listening. You ever heard that phrase, if you, how's it going? I'll make sure I say it right. I wrote it down. Uh, do what you love and you'll never work a day for the rest of your life. You heard that? Do what you love and you'll never work a day for the rest of your life. Do you think that's true? We got mixed in the room, even right here. Okay, I trapped some of you. Okay, that was a trick question. I don't think it's true. Hey, do what you love. Awesome. You're still going to have to work. Okay, let's be real. Okay, that's real life. Okay. If you, if you love what you do for a job, awesome. You still got to work hard. They say, actually, it takes 10,000 hours to actually become an expert at something. And so maybe you're doing something you love to do. You know you're called to do it by God. It's, you're in the right place. But it's going to take work and time, 10,000 hours for you to actually do that really, really well. So hard work is a, is a good thing. I think it, it's better said to uh, do what you love, and then you'll love to work. Do what you love, and then you will love to work. Because then... You're going to do things that aren't always fun, but you still ultimately love your work, so you're going to work hard. You're going to push through obstacles when they come because you got goals and you got dreams on the other side, and ultimately you love this, okay? And so, I, and I always feel for people that find themselves in a place where it's like, I hate my job. I'm like, ugh, okay, I feel bad for you. I hope you don't feel like you're stuck in that for the rest of your life. Sometimes God changes our perspective, and sometimes God changes our position, but seek God and ask his help on what is he need to do if you find yourself in that place. So he can lead you and guide you in this, because I don't want you to live in this place where you just dread Monday morning, like I cannot, I don't even want to think about it. And I've had friends that they just, they get so stressed out thinking about going to their job. I'm like, why are you working there? Okay, now let's be real. Again, to kind of swing the pendulum back, there will be tough days, even in what, doing what you love. But when you know it's, it's ultimately what you love to do and what you're called to do, you're going to push through those things. It is going to be worth it. So I just believe that dreams are always married to someone called hard work. I want you to see your dreams realized. I think God has placed dreams inside of you that I want to see realized in your life. I want you to experience God's best for your life. So how do we experience this? How do we do this? Let's go to Proverbs 3 and look at some verses that are very, very important. In fact, very foundational for you and I to discover and walk in this secondary will of God. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And you want God to make your path straight? Anybody want that? You want God to show you the way to go, decisions to make? This is so important that we get this right. It starts with trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Everybody say all. 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 Everything. Every part of your life puts your trust in him. This is where it begins. We got to start here again. 
That word trust, it means to not just believe in, but it does. It means to believe in him. It also means a reliance on and a confidence in. So that's what it means when I trust the Lord. My confidence is in him, not in me. I'm relying on him, not in me. I believe in him. I'm putting my whole trust in God. So trust in him, in the Lord, with everything that you got. Put your trust in him. And then lean not on your own understanding, which is a good one for us to, to hear because we love to lean on our understanding, right? Because like maybe you've been here before where God's like speaking some things to you. You sense God is speaking some things to you and you're like, okay, but let me get this straight here, God. I got to figure this out. I got to understand this. So this, okay, so if you, uh, you know, we, we had this conversation with God and we wanted to like understand everything. And so can you tell me, okay, if, so if I do that, then what? And then, then what? And then what? How much is this going to cost me? How much is this going like, to, you know, what do, what do I need to do with this? What is this, am I, I going to have to move? What am I going to do? Okay, maybe just five years, God. You don't have to give me my whole life. It's just five years. I got to understand this thing. We love to try to lean on our understanding. I got to figure this out. It's our attempt to control, if we're honest. Okay? Because, and, and, and God's like, no, 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 no. Just trust in me. Trust in me. <laughs> but we want to make sure that we can do this. And God's saying, you can't. But I can in you and through you. If you trust in, in me, I can do greater things in your life, through your life, than you could ever do, ever dream possible. That's why it's important for us to trust. Hey, friends, this is why it's called a life of faith, right? We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by figuring everything out before we do it. It's faith. And so there's going to be this element at times where I'm just trusting the Lord with all my heart and I'm not leaning on my understanding, which that word lean literally is like if I'm leaning on something like this. I'm leaning on this table right now. This table is supporting me in this moment. We love to do this with our understanding. I got to figure this out. I got to understand this because my understanding of this is what is going to uphold me, is what is going to hold me up. But God's word tells us, don't lean on your understanding, lean on his. That's the, really the implication there. Lean on his understanding. Let God's understanding, his divine wisdom, be what holds you up. Lean on him. And sometimes, guys, life is so hard, this is all we can do. I don't even get it, God. It doesn't even make sense. So I'm going to lean on your understanding, God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. And then acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. I love this. In all your ways, every day, all of life, acknowledge him. That word acknowledge actually speaks to relationship. It is telling you and I to lean into knowing him and having relationship with him. That's the, the meaning of this word, acknowledging. It's knowing him which is, again, the primary will of God, to know him. And so this verse really is, is pointing us to the most important thing, know God. Grow in your relationship with him. Focus on that. As you do that, as you trust in the Lord, as you lean on his understanding, then he will lead you. He will direct your steps. He will make your path straight. We want to cut straight to that part, right? Just tell me what to do, God. God's like, no, no, hold on, hold on. Do you trust me? Because if you don't trust me, then you're not going to be able to do what I'm going to call you to do. See, that's the deal, guys. You and I can do things apart from God, but is it really what he is wanting us to do? Yeah. 
We can do things in our own strength, but we can't do the greater things that he has for us apart from his strength and his working in our life. God's got great things for you. It's going to require you and I to live a life of faith and trusting in him to experience that best that he has for me. Okay, so again, this is the foundation, right? Because now we can go into directing your path. How does he direct our path? How does he make our path straight? How does he lead our steps? And there's eight ways that he does this. And so if you've got about, oh, five more hours, I can walk through all eight of them. Or if you prefer, we'll just go through one of them today, okay? I actually had planned to go through two, and we only have time for one, just to be real. Okay, so we'll just do one today. We'll start off with one. Is that okay? But there's at least eight different ways that God leads us and guides us. That's why this whole series, I think, is going to be very good for some of us to have clarity to how God is speaking to me. And he uses all of these. And for some of you, he's going to speak to you uh, in different ways. And sometimes a couple of these are the majority of the ways that God speaks to you. But let's first talk about who is most important, and this is Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit speaks to us. Holy Spirit leads us. Holy Spirit will guide us in life. This is what Jesus said, John 16, verse 33. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Jesus, before the Holy Spirit came, is saying, this is why I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to come and live in you. And again, this is like the coolest thing about Christianity right here. The fact that God would come and set up residence inside of us. That truth alone should greatly change how we live our life. Should have major impact on our life. God is alive in you. Can you believe that? The moment you and I say yes to him and following him, his presence enters our life. He sets up residence inside of us and God is alive. And those of us who experience that, that's how we know that God's alive. I know he's alive because I experience his presence in my life. It's amazing. And so Jesus said, this is going to happen. And he's going to guide you. He's going to lead you. He's going to show you what is going to come. So this is the role, part of the role of the Holy Spirit in our life is to lead us and direct us. I'll never forget, years ago I got to go to Israel. Anybody ever been to Israel? It's a phenomenal, incredible, life-changing experience. If you've never gone, I highly recommend you get there someday. Make it a point someday to go to Israel. It will tremendously impact your life. There's not a week that goes by that I don't think about an experience that happened seven years ago in Israel. It was, it was very profound. And when I got there, and this was a dream of mine, like a lifelong dream. I'm going to go to Israel, and now it's like, okay, I'm going to go there multiple times. I'm going to take my family there all together someday. It's, it's, it's going to happen, Lord willing, all those types of things. But it's been a dream of mine since I was, I think, 23, I wrote down a list of all these dreams. Like, it was like, kind of like a bucket list. That was one of them on the bucket list. And I almost got to go when I was 26 years old. I paid for the whole trip, and then it got canceled, and I didn't even get my money back. I lost my money. Thousands of dollars. It was horrible. So then this other opportunity came. It almost got canceled, but thankfully I got to go. So seven years ago, I got to go there. It was a profound experience. But when I finally got there, I didn't just open up a map and then schedule an Uber to take me to that place. When you think about it, if you experience the Holy Land like that, like, oh, I got to go check out the Garden of Gethsemane. Sweet. Okay, let me go. And then I stand in the Garden of Gethsemane. Looks a little different than I thought it would, but 
Then I call Uber. I got to go up to the next thing. Okay, I'm going to go now to the Temple Mount and go, okay. I didn't do that. I actually had a tour guide. That's the way to go. It's the only way to do it, really. You know? Can you imagine trying to go through the Holy Land, through Israel, without a tour guide? Impossible. It took us all over Israel, especially through Jerusalem, which is a crazy place to get around, but super cool. And this tour guide made this trip so much more impactful, so much more enriching and rewarding. I can't imagine doing that without a tour guide. That, in a sense, is the Holy Spirit in your life, leading you, guiding you. He is, in a sense, like a tour guide for you in life, to show you, to show you the way. He wants to lead you and guide you, is the words of Jesus, into all truth. That's ultimately what he wants to take you to, is to truth, to truth. What is true? What is true? That's the, that's the goal. But the Holy Spirit is going to lead you and, and guide you in your life and is going to show you which way to go. And I just love that, man. It's, at the moment of salvation, God's presence enters us, and he does so many things, but this is, a, this is a role, especially the role as we talk about how do we discover God's calling for our life, primary and secondary calling. Uh, we need to let the Spirit lead us. Spirit lead us. And so what happens is we've got to, as we grow in our relationship with God, we've got to learn to discern the voice of God in our life. Learn to understand and know when God is speaking to you. God wants to speak to you. In fact, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. It's kind of like our job as followers of Jesus. My sheep, Jesus says, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. If you are a follower of Jesus, it is our duty, it is our responsibility, but it's also our privilege to listen to the voice of our shepherd. This is awesome. And so Jesus is saying, this is how we roll. This is how it works. As a sheep in God's flock, we listen to the voice of the shepherd. So God wants to speak to you, and he will speak to you. So it's important that we are listening. And I think that we've got to put ourselves in the right posture, the right attitude. It's really a heart posture, a heart position, where we're just open to God speaking to us. Those moments where I'm angry, upset, prideful, mad, God has a difficult time speaking to me in those times. Have you noticed that? Okay, so I've got to have this posture of like, okay, God, I'm ready. I'm willing. Would you speak to me? That's why I love that phrase, speak for your servant is listening. So let's look at that story again, that 1 Samuel 13, or 3 is where it was. Did you notice something interesting in verse 1? At the end of verse 1, it says this. It says, in those days... The word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. That's kind of sad. The word of the Lord was rare. So Eli and his sons, they're, they're priests, but they're not really hearing from God. It was, a, it was a rare thing to hear from God. And that's not the goal. That's not how God set this up. That's not what he wants. So why was that? Well, as you read deep into this and you study, especially in, in chapters one and two and then more of three there, you see that Eli's sons were living in blatant, repeated, intentional sin. They were completely disregarding people and God. It was, just, it was constantly happening. They were stealing the offerings to God before it was given to God. They're threatening all those people that came in to worship God, like you better do this or else. And they're sleeping with any women they can that are working outside the tabernacle. 
repeatedly, intentionally. In fact, in chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord. On top of this, Eli, the dads do nothing about it. Make it even worse. Like, he had a conversation with them once. It's almost like he slapped their hand. Like, you shouldn't do that. But he didn't really put his foot down and say, you guys have a disregard for the Lord. You are dishonoring him. I'm going to remove you from this because you are blatantly rebelling and sinning against God. He didn't do that. He should have done that, but he didn't do that. So you can see this attitude that they have towards God and respecting God. There's no reverence. There's no awe. There's no worship. They are living for themselves. So they didn't really care to listen to God. They just wanted what they wanted. And it's important that we don't allow ourselves to go there as well. We can get so selfish, so greedy, and so prideful, we can just push God out of our lives. And the scary thing is in those moments, the word of the Lord can become rare in our life as well. I don't want the word of the Lord to be rare in your life. Psalm 66 says, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. It's important that we don't continue to live in blatant sin and just disregard it and think it's not a big deal. Because it is. And that's what Eli's sons were doing. Therefore, the word of the Lord was rare. God's not speaking. God's not moving in their lives and in the nation of Israel during this time. And so we got to walk in humility and in repentance so that God can give us forgiveness so we can experience his grace. But I think that oftentimes we aren't hearing the voice of God or people aren't hearing the voice of God because they're already not listening to what he's already told them. Yeah. I mean, there are some things in the Bible, which is God's word, and we'll, we'll talk about this next, how God speaks us to this, but there's very clear things that are in God's word that people love to just disregard, push aside, and ignore, and God's like, I've already spoken some things to you that I want you to deal with first, then I have some more for you, but you're already not listening to me. So, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And this is when God begins to speak to Samuel. Part of what God speaks to Samuel is how he's going to deal with Eli's family for all the sin and all the things they're doing so he can cleanse the nation and cleanse the sin that's going on. So, it's a really interesting story, isn't it? Like Samuel wakes up hearing his name called by God. And so what does he do? He runs to Eli. And Eli's like, like, why are you waking me up in the night? Go back to bed, bro. Like, I'm trying to sleep. And so he, or Samuel goes back to bed. He hears his name called again. And then he runs to Eli. And Eli's like, uh, like seriously? Like, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So Samuel goes back to bed. He hears his name called again. He runs to Eli again a third time. And Eli finally is like, I think maybe God's speaking to you. So... Next time you hear your name called, just say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so that's, in fact, exactly what happens. And so what we see is kind of good news for us because Samuel didn't recognize God's voice at first. He didn't know. And there's this process he had to go on, just like you and I are in a process. You're going to grow in discerning the voice of God in your life. It takes time, and that's okay. And there's going to be times where you just sense, like, this really seems like God. And there's going to be other times where you're like, I think this is God, but I'm not sure. Okay, But this is all part of a growth process that we are in, just like Samuel. Samuel had to learn to recognize and know the voice of God. Interestingly enough, too, Samuel ran to who every time God spoke initially? 
he ran to Eli, right, priest, which shows us that when God spoke to him, it actually sounded very familiar to him. When God speaks to us, that's often how it goes, guys. I mean, we're expecting to be like some big booming voice, Samuel. <laughs> okay, all right, it's God. All right, I'm ready, here I am, you know. We expect that, right? But oftentimes, that's not how God speaks to us. It sounds very familiar. And oftentimes, it sounds like my own voice is speaking even in my head, but then I gotta learn to discern and know if this God or not. And the longer we grow in our relationship with God, the more we grow in awareness of him, working in our life and becoming more and more comfortable in his presence, the greater we can discern God's voice in our life. But we gotta have this right heart posture. Okay, God, I'm just opening my heart to you. That's all I'm doing, open my heart to you, just willing for you to speak to me. God wants to speak to you. Remember Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. It's kind of part of this following Jesus thing. And Jesus wants it that way. When I was in Israel, something fascinating happened when I was, we were just right outside of Bethlehem and there's this church that was set up outside of Bethlehem. And I'm in this church and I had this profound, profound experience with God. Like it just, it was one of those moments that just rocked me. I still to this day, God's using that word in my life. And then the tour guide led us out. That was just me personally having, the, having a moment with God. In fact, they all went outside and I stayed inside and just cried for about 15 minutes. It was one of those moments. You know, I don't know if you've been there before, but uh, sometimes it happens to me. And I needed it from God. Then took us outside. I went and joined them outside and they took us around to the side and there were some caves by this church. And again, this is kind of cool because we're outside of Bethlehem. This is where the shepherds would have been outside the town of Bethlehem, like when Jesus was born and they're, they're tending the sheep. And so there's these caves there. And they said, this is where shepherds would shove all their sheep in overnight to protect them. So they would sleep in these caves so that they would be protected overnight while the shepherds would sleep. He says, and then in the morning, the shepherd would come. And, and, and by the way, lots of different shepherds would put all their sheep into the same cave. But once you know, a shepherd would come up and that shepherd would call and only the sheep that belonged to him would come out of the cave and follow him. And then the next shepherd would come up and only the sheep that belonged to him, they would recognize his voice and they would come and they would follow him. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. That's super cool. I don't, I need, why don't they teach us this sheep stuff like in, in Bible college? That is awesome. And so it's one of those one of those lessons right there that just shows us that sheep know the shepherd's voice. The sheep of the shepherd, if we truly are his sheep, we will learn to recognize his voice. It'll happen. Isn't that cool? You just never know how God's gonna come to you. And again, we're gonna talk about all the different ways that God speaks, but oftentimes it's then to be these promptings inside of us by the Spirit. It's gonna be like he, he enters your thoughts. He like speaks to you through your thoughts. And it might even sound like you. It might sound very familiar, but that will happen. I love the story in 1 Kings 19 about Elijah and how God speaks to him. So I think that has, uh, there's lessons we can learn in this for us today. Elijah's running from God, very discouraged, feels all alone. God comes and meets him. And then verse 11, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. That a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. 
After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? This is where God begins to speak to him. And God can speak to us in the loud thundering things of life, but so often it comes in a gentle whisper. More often than not, I promise you, it's going to be, maybe your Bible says, that still, small voice. And we got to be able to discern and listen. Could it be that we live in such a noisy world that we're missing God's voice? We have so many voices speaking to us, so many noises going on, and we can't hear that gentle whisper. We're missing it. I believe God's always speaking, but are we listening? That's the question. Sometimes when I'm watching television, I will mute the commercials. Anybody do that? Like mute the commercials? Like commercials can get so annoying. And why on earth are they so loud? That's usually why I do it. It's like, it's so loud, I can mute. Like, oh, now I can relax. Wow. It's like they went, it's like twice as loud as the regular program. It's like, oh, and so it's nice to mute the commercial sometimes just to like, okay, I can relax. I can just take a breath, a breather here. I can, you know, talk with Amy. We can discuss what's going on here, you know, whatever. And so it's just kind of nice to do that. I think what we need to learn to do is hit the mute button on all those voices in our life that are coming at us and mute, 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 mute so I can listen to the voice of God and be able to hear the gentle whisper. Let's be real, guys. There's lots of voices coming at us constantly. You just walk down the street. You walk through the mall. You're just hearing noise, noise. It's coming at you. You're getting bombarded with advertisement, all this kind of stuff. We got to learn to mute, 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 mute. Okay, CNN, mute. Fox News, mute. Social media, mute, 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 mute. Okay, God, speak for your servant is listening. I can hear you now. And we can't hear God speaking to us because noise, 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 noise. And God's speaking. He's always speaking, but it's often a gentle whisper. This is why we got to learn to be still and know that he is God. I think silence and solitude are the best practices for our spiritual life today because of how busy and noisy life is. Technology is amazing, but it's made our world way more noisy. And it's hindered our ability to hear the voice of God. And you need to hear from you, not what someone else is saying about God. I want you to experience firsthand Jesus, not secondhand Jesus. Like even right now, you're catching secondhand Jesus, but I'm praying for firsthand Jesus. I'm praying for God to deposit something specifically to you, for you, by Him. That's firsthand revelation. We talked about a spirit of wisdom and revelation last week so that you may know him better. That's what I pray for, not just secondhand Jesus. Technology can be great because you can get secondhand Jesus from that, but I want you to hear firsthand Jesus. I want you to hear his voice. I love Bluetooth technology. It's, it's kind of fascinating to me that it works. Like I can play music on my phone and I can listen to it on my headphones, my Bluetooth headphones. That's kind of cool. And there's not even a cord anymore. Like, how does that work? I don't know, but uh, it fascinates me. What I've noticed is I can't actually hear anything playing on my phone into my headphones until I make that connection. 
I've got to connect it to the right Bluetooth channel, then I can hear it. You and I cannot hear God's voice until we make that connection. You gotta get connected to him. This is what we talked about last week. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me, stay connected to me. And then we can hear his voice. God wants to speak to you. Are you listening? Hit the mute button on everything else. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I never forget when God, no, God had spoken to me a few things in my life through his word growing up. But the very first very profound thing that it was like, okay, this seems to really be God because it kind of rocked my world. That moment happened right after I graduated from high school. It was 1992 and I was going on a missions trip to Barcelona, Spain. Super cool experience. And if you're familiar with your history, especially Olympic history, you'll know 1992, Barcelona is when the Olympics were there. So we went to some Olympic events. It was awesome. And there was about 120 of us that were on this missions trip. And we put together a basketball team to go and play basketball against some prison inmates. And so we went into some prisons and played basketball. And then we went into some parks and played some guys on the streets and played basketball. And we had these jerseys made up and they were red, white, and blue. And they said USA on them. And so we traveled around Barcelona via the train system and all that. And we walked around wearing these jerseys. And wouldn't you know, everywhere we went, people were saying, dream team, that dream team, dream team. Because 1992 is also when the dream team hit, okay? So this is like, our college players are getting beat now. Let's put the big boys in and see how that goes. It was dream team, 1992 was awesome. And for some reason, we had some big guys on our basketball team. So I, they thought, as we're wearing these jerseys around, like, dream team, dream team. And we didn't tell them otherwise. So just kind of fun. Yeah, dream team. How you doing? Dream team. <laughs> yeah, that's all I could have passed for. It's John Stockton. That's about it. I don't know who they would else they would stake me for. <laughs> so it was super fun experience. The whole... Missions experience was really cool, but I'll never forget one moment that changed my life forever. We're at lunch. We just got done eating lunch, actually. We're praying. We're about ready to get back into the, the streets to some ministry. And God spoke to me in that moment. And it wasn't one of those, Tyrone, this is God. Now, you know, that would have been great if he did that, but he didn't do that to me. It was a still small voice. And he said, Tyrone, calling you to be a pastor. You got the right Tyrone? No other Tyrones around here that I know of. Um, you know, you begin those wrestling matches when you sense God speaking to you in that? Like, I don't know. That doesn't sound kind of fun, actually. Like, seriously, like, because uh, I got plans, God, and your plans are sounding a little different than my plans. Your plans don't sound nearly as fun as my plans. Like, have I told you? Let me remind you about my plans, God. Okay, I'm having this conversation with God right here as I'm holding hands with people in the city called Gava, right south of Barcelona. <laughs> Just wrestling with God. God, remember, okay, God, here's my plans, okay? Uh, I think these are from you, but I just want to go play basketball in college. I want to go to the University of Washington. I want to get a degree in computers and then go work at Microsoft and get rich with Bill Gates. Remember I was talking about this? Good plans, right? Plans, like your plans are different. I don't know. It's, I have this wrestling moment, but I finally, and I'll probably share with you later on in the series kind of the rest of that story, but I just said, okay, God, if this is what you call me to do, I'll do it. In that moment, I can honestly say is the reason I'm standing here. God spoke to me, and it, I was pretty sure it was God, and then it was confirmed time and time again after that. If I had said no, I wouldn't be standing here right now. I said yes. And I'm so thankful that I said yes to God because his plans ended up being way better than my plans. And I've said for years to people, like, I could be some 
rich computer nerd living in Bellevue, Washington, but I would have missed God's will for my life. And I don't want to miss God's will for my life. I don't want you to miss God's will for your life either. And how God leads us and speaks to us is different, guys. It's different. It will happen differently for you than it happened to me. That's why I'm excited to talk about the, the other ways that God speaks to us because some of these are gonna really speak to you. It's gonna resonate with you. That's how he spoke to me. That's how he led me. Just know that God wants to speak to you. Just know that. A.W. Tozer, really smart guy, he said this, the person that does not expect to hear God won't. Because every single time God speaks, they will just discount it as their own idea. Uh, See, here's what I've learned is the enemy wants to convince you that God won't speak to you. That's just for certain people. That's just for special people, not you. And he wants to convince you that you cannot hear the voice of God. But Jesus said, my sheep will listen to me. Like, this is so biblical. God wants to speak to you. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy. Mute. Nope, that's, that's a lie from the pit of hell. God wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you. He wants to direct you. It may not be like shift your course direction, change your career, change your calling, or it might. But are you willing to just say yes to God no matter what? I've heard of God calling lawyers to be missionaries before, and they loved it. It's like, this is what God had for me in this season of my life, and this is what God had for me in this season of my life. Both were God's will for my life, and they're just thankful they said yes to God. I just want you to be willing and able to have a heart that is in a position to say, speak, your servant is listening, and I'll obey no matter what the cost. I'll obey no matter what. That's my hope for you. And as you and I grow in hearing God's voice, just know it's a process. Be very leery of the person who always knows the voice of God. <laughs> okay, so these people can cause damage actually in people's lives. You know, the whole thus they, the Lord, thus, God's telling you this, God's telling you this, like, how, you don't even know me. And sometimes those people have been right, but sometimes they haven't. I'll get it, we'll get into that in the coming week. Okay, so we won't go too far into that. But most often it's this, it's kind of like, I think this is God, and so I'm gonna test it out. I sense God is working in this. Sometimes, like in that moment when God was speaking to me in Barcelona, I was kind of like, that's like the last thought I would have ever thought in my brain. So I probably is God or Satan, but I don't think Satan would call me to be a pastor. Unless he really had it out for, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, so there's gonna be moments where you're like, this really seems like God, but there's gonna be times where you're like, I think this is God. That's okay. We're on a journey, right? And our posture is speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Would you stand to your feet? I told you we didn't have enough time to go on anywhere else, right? So we'll get into the rest in the coming weeks, and I think this is going to be good for us to have clarity. But why don't we just pause right here and just do what I just said? Let's just, why don't we just close our eyes, and we're just going to let God speak to us. God, what are you speaking to me in light of this message today, in light of these words? What are you speaking to me today? So let's close our eyes, and let's just pause right here. Let's just listen. Speak to us, God.
keep your eyes closed and I just want you to listen to these words for a few moments because I think there's some people here you're watching online or you're just here in the room and you've never put your trust in the Lord. I want to encourage you to do that today. Say yes to him. He is calling you by your name right now to know him, to be in relationship with him. Some of you maybe even sense that right now. I want to encourage you to say yes to following Jesus, trusting him and just serving him for the rest of your life. There's no greater decision you could ever make. All you got to do is ask for forgiveness for your sins, your rebellion, trying to do this on your own. Receive his forgiveness and his grace and the fact that you need him, believe him, follow him, ask for his spirit, his presence to come and fill your life and commit to following him for the rest of your life. I'd encourage you to pray those words. Pray that prayer in the next few moments. Say yes to him. Begin trusting in the Lord and do it with all your heart. for all of us. I'm just praying today, over these next few days and weeks in the series that God's going to speak to us. He's going to direct us. He's going to make straight our path. He's going to tell us to take a left or a right if necessary. God, we just give you permission to speak to your servants. Lord, we want to do your will. We want to live in the place of your will for our life. Give you permission, God. Show us. Show us the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.